Good morning, Joe Moran Show with your host, Joe Moran. It's a uh, wonderful Tuesday and really excited uh, for the show today. I want to talk about the TikTok acquisition um, and what the implications are as I see it long term. Um, not necessarily with respect to TikTok or from a Microsoft um, perspective, which I'll get into a little bit, but more from what are the implications for Walmart and similar businesses. Now, we'll see if, if Walmart actually you know, is part of the deal um, and one of the acquirers, but what what is their what is Walmart's um, motivation and where do they necessarily see the fit in terms of acquiring TikTok and how does it play in their long-term strategic plan um, and then you know what are the implications for other entities that we would consider you know non-tech companies diving into tech so that's going to be the bulk of the show today i've got some other thoughts that i want to talk about regarding fiscal stimulus um but the bulk of it's going to be on tiktok and 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 more importantly you know walmart um as a partner in the acquisition with microsoft so you know, President Trump has been pushing his weight around in terms of TikTok and forcing the sale of TikTok in order for it to continue to do business within the United States. Um, TikTok has until September 15th to find a willing buyer a United States company that would be a willing buyer or it has to um, essentially shut down in the United States and can no longer, um, you know, the Gen Zers and the young people that utilize the app can can no longer uh, dance and, and jam, right, in short, short videos. So, you know, first thing I think about is, you know, why why is the president interested in TikTok when we've got mass protests, uh, social inequality, the coronavirus, and a host of other issues, not to mention that he's in the middle of an election cycle. You know, why is he focused on TikTok? Well, you know, one is it has to do with China, and he's trying to prove that, you know, he can push China around, uh, and two, he's still pissed off at the young people on TikTok that purchased, uh, or not necessarily purchased, but signed up to go to the Tulsa rally, um, and, you know, frankly, you know, just did it as a hoax, right, didn't show up, and, you know, Trump was planning on this massive rally when it was really just 
there was really nobody there, right? Because it was manipulated. The account was manipulated by everybody on TikTok. So that really got TikTok on his radar. I mean, he probably didn't even know what it was um, before that Tulsa rally. But so, I mean, that's kind of the backstory and that's where we are. But what's fascinating to me is the Walmart story of this acquisition. So, you know, right after it was announced, right after Trump said, hey, you know, you got told mid-September, you got to find a buyer or we're shutting you down. Within a few days, maybe a week, we started hearing Microsoft's name. You know, it made sense. Um, the entities and the uh, principals, kind of the, the owners, right, um, know each other. You know, there's history there between um, the owners of the entities. So a comfort level, which, you know, really in all acquisitions, a lot of it is about comfort. You know, what does it mean long term for the business? Are you going to radically change the business in terms of the acquirer? Uh, so all of those things are important. So early on, we heard Microsoft's name. And maybe, let's call it seven to ten days ago, Oracle's name was dropped um, as a potential buyer. And, you know, why Oracle? You know, this is completely outside of their zone. I mean, with Microsoft, at least you can say, well, it's one of the top five market caps. They want to get into the social media space. It's a natural competitor to Facebook, to Twitter. And we recently had the antitrust um testimony that occurred with four of the you know top five tech companies and Microsoft wasn't there but it was really focused on hey what are the you know what's the competition level for you know in each industry is each entity being anti-competitive and that's you know Amazon Apple Facebook and Google and you know Microsoft wasn't there right so Microsoft say, hey, I want to get into the space. Um, I want to have a social media component. There's huge traffic there. I mean, it makes it makes some sense, right? I mean, we can understand it. Oracle comes in, and which is interesting, right? I mean, we can kind of see how it fits with Microsoft. Not really. I mean, Microsoft has traditionally been focused on large corporations, you know, doesn't have this kind of, you know, B to C component. I mean, there's some of that, but it's mostly B to B. I mean, TikTok is all consumer driven. Um, and then you have Oracle come in with their SAP products. I mean, you try to think of a fit there with TikTok and, and it's really hard to find one. Um, the only thing that you can even, you know, contemplate and what makes sense is, you know, Ellison is a friend of Trump and a significant donor of the Republican Party. And so 
you know, Trump, the president, is pushing for Oracle. Um, is likely he's likely pushing Oracle right to win the bid. You know, even though from a data perspective, Microsoft would be much stronger in terms of privacy. Uh, it's a slightly better fit in terms of size and scale of the business. It you know you can see that much more as a natural competitor to Facebook. I mean, Facebook's coming out with you know a Zoom competitor. Well, you know, Microsoft has Teams. I mean, there's just it, it just feels better, right? There's just a better feel on the Microsoft front. And so you got Microsoft versus Oracle competing for TikTok. And then <laughs> out of nowhere, it's announced that Walmart is part of the Microsoft bid. Now, we're talking about a 30 to 40 billion dollar acquisition, right, for TikTok. And you know, it's not that Microsoft needs the help coming up with the capital um you know microsoft has well over 100 billion in cash on their balance sheet so you know that can't be the angle um and honestly if i was microsoft and i had the balance sheet strength which they do and i don't know what their kind of long-term strategic plans are outside of cloud um augmented and virtual reality um, I mean they're doing some interesting things and and you know you got to think okay well what's what's the long-term strategic fit okay it makes there's some sense there with TikTok but what else is on the agenda and what else is on the roadmap in terms of um, utilizing that cash right so there's probably something there that we don't see so Walmart comes into the fray, and what's fascinating to me about it is, you know, Walmart really since COVID has been pushing kind of their digital platform, right? Go online, order your goods, we can have them delivered to you, we can have your groceries delivered to you. You know, they're moving into this digital world and they're fully embracing it, right? I mean, they want to compete with Amazon, um, you know, it's full bore, but pre-COVID, we didn't think of Walmart as a tech company, as a digital company, not in the least bit. I mean, it's brick and mortar through and through. So what is Walmart trying to accomplish uh, through this acquisition? Well, you know, immediately what comes to mind is... With TikTok, you have potential for digital ad revenue, right? Which would ex which would expand Walmart's uh, margins. So that's number one. If you're viewed as a tech company, your stock performs at a higher multiple, right? So that's number two. Number three, there's a data mining component to this, right? So you've got 100 million users, they're Gen Zers, millennials, um, understand their tendencies, their behavioral, what they're interested in, um, just all of that data that's available that can be mined and optimized, right? And layered in with the rest of their business 
it's, uh, I mean, that's valuable, right? There's real value there, um, which Walmart understands. I mean, Walmart, in order to operate on as thin of margins as they have, they've been better than most brick and mortar stores. Um, I mean, they're in the top, 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 top 1% uh, in terms of data management and understanding the data um, and how to utilize it to squeeze profits uh, even though they're selling things in bulk and at extremely low prices. So Walmart understands the data piece. And if they can get their hands on that information, there's real value there to them. Um, and honestly, it just seems to me, so we got revenue, so we got added, add revenue, higher multiples, um, expanded margins, data. So those are really kind of four things. And, and, and to me, kind of post-COVID, Right, and we talked about this. It is truly there's truly been a paradigm shift. It seems to me that Walmart is embracing technology and where the future is. Right, that's what it signals. It's hey, brick and mortar. That's the thing of the past. We're moving on, bigger, better. We want to compete in this space. And when you make a play like this, now we'll see if if Walmart and Microsoft win the bid. We'll see if Walmart um, is just a minority, if it's split 50-50 with Microsoft, you know, how all of that breaks down. But the reality is, is they're staking claim, right? I mean, they want to be in the space. And they're not going to, they're not going to put 10 15 billion dollars on the table if they're not serious and it's just fascinating to me that you have this brick and mortar store I mean think about their balance sheet right there's not a lot of intangible assets on that balance sheet there just aren't it's inventory it's buildings and facilities, right? And so they're making a play for intangible assets and a full-blown technology solution, technology product. And are we going to see other entities make a similar play are other brick and mortar non-traditional tech companies going to pursue acquisitions and frankly it could be non-acquisitions it could just be pivots and overall strategic initiatives towards tech now the challenge is, and I think Walmart has a better chance than most because they've been involved in the data space. They understand how important data is, um, you know, what's necessary to be successful in the digital world. Um, but they aren't a tech company, 
right? They're not. Now, they have a digital platform. They utilize data extremely well. Um, so I think it's possible. But will other non-traditional tech companies pursue tech acquisitions and strive to be a tech company? So they can expand margins, get a higher multiple, utilize the data for mining, improve decision making, um, and other areas of the business. I think it's possible. Um, I really do. I think you're going to see this shift for the companies that are savvy enough to understand how the landscape is changing. And it is changing. We know it's changing. There's no debate there. We know that it's going to be a digital world, that it is a digital world, that technology makes the world go round. We know this. And how successful will other companies be that pursue this type of endeavor? Probably not very successful out of the gate, right? If you're a non-tech company, it is hard to understand how to be successful. It is extremely competitive, right? Your young entrepreneurs, they're not trying to build the next Walmart. They're just not. Everything that they're doing has a tech bend to it. So you automatically have increased competition, right? Competition's going up just because of who's entering the space. And the leaders in your business, if you're a traditional non-tech company, the leaders in your business aren't going to understand it. In my prior company, so my prior organization, I worked at a the largest Kenmore truck dealer in the world, right? And, you know, we had... 70 dealerships. I mean, it is brick and mortar. It's hard assets, not intangible assets. Um, and that's what that's what the executives liked, right? They're like, hey, we got a real product. You know, we're not, you know, our, our product isn't you, right? In terms of Facebook, right? You're the product on Facebook. Um, and we started to roll out a online parts store Right, a digital parts store to try to compete with Amazon. And I mean it just the, the rollout didn't go well. We didn't have Google AdWords. You know, they're concerned about spending five hundred dollars on Google. Um, and, and and to me actually the biggest problem was and they'll never say this and they will never admit this, that it that it is a challenge, is they put the person that's in charge of their physical parts channel, vertical channel, they put that individual in charge of the digital channel. It's a different business. Selling parts online is a completely different business than selling parts in a dealership. And if you don't get this right, then it's not going to be successful. Just because you build an online platform and have an online platform 
doesn't mean that you're going to execute in an online platform because you're not going to know the questions to ask. You're not going to know how to execute. You're not going to know what drives decision-making of consumers if you don't have the data and don't understand how to organize the data to make optimal decisions. Right? Walmart, they understand all this. I mean, they transition from a pure physical store play to a digital play post-pandemic with relative ease. I mean, I'm sure there were hiccups in the corporate office that we can't see, but they're blowing it out of the park. Crushing it. They're crushing it. And it's because they've been involved in the digital game before March. They started competing with Amazon years ago, right? I mean, they could just see what was happening. So they started transitioning. They got smarter. They hired the right people for the digital game. They didn't move Sally Sue, right, who's in charge of their physical inventory at a corporate level, right? They didn't move her to run digital. Doesn't make any sense. How are they going to understand the digital space? They won't. You're better off hiring a 25-year-old out of Silicon Valley that understands the digital game. And so even if you have a shift, which we will have, right? This, this, this acquisition, if it goes through Walmart, you know, if they're equal or even close to being an equal player to Microsoft, it's going to start a trend, in my opinion, where you're going to have companies that are non-tech companies try to get into the tech space, again, for expanded margins, higher multiples, right? And when I say multiples, I'm talking stock multiples, valuation multiples, data mining opportunities. But are these non-traditional tech players going to understand the tech game? I mean, shit, even Oracle. Let's talk Oracle for a second. Oracle has done 133 acquisitions. If my math's right, 133 acquisitions since 2005. They can integrate TikTok. It may not be a great fit with their core product, right? And their core strategy. But they've done enough acquisitions in the tech space to make this work. Maybe not as well as Microsoft. I mean, shit, maybe they could surprise us and maybe it'd be better. I don't think so, but it's possible. And... It's if you don't have experience in the digital game, can you be successful? The answer, I think, is yes, but you got to hire players from the digital game. And I think companies and organizations will fall into this trap. 
They'll try to transition somebody from their existing business that doesn't have any idea, has no experience, that hasn't been through the ups and downs, doesn't understand how competitive it is, doesn't understand A and B testing, doesn't understand that a font can be the difference between a consumer buying or not buying a product. And if they don't understand the intricacies and the detail needed to be successful in the digital space, then they'll fail. But I do think this is a trend that we're going to see. I don't think it stops at Walmart being part of an acquisition at TikTok. What do you think Target's going to do? Do you think they're just going to sit back and watch their main competitor, Walmart, make a play like this? Absolutely not. Not when Walmart's stock price keeps going up and up and up because they got a tech product. There's absolutely no way that that happens. No way. So, all things just fascinating, right, that are happening. And again, what's happening from a macro perspective, right? The world's changing. Pre-pandemic, we were holding on, right, to our non-digital lives. We were holding on. We knew that the world was changing, we were going to have VR, we were going to have AR. Pokemon Go introduced AR a few years ago. Um, I mean, we were already heading that direction, but the world and the vast majority of the people didn't see it, didn't feel it, didn't understand it, didn't notice the secular trend that was happening. Post-pandemic, we're in a digital world, baby. And companies have to be able to adapt in order to be successful. And if you want your stock price to go up, just look at the just look at the S and P. What's driving the S and P higher? They're tech companies. There's like five of them, maybe ten, that make up the vast majority of the gains in the S and P. And I do think you're going to see a shift of non-traditional tech companies trying to get into the tech space in order to capture the expanded margin, the data, the higher multiple. But are they prepared for what's necessary to be successful? That's the question. Walmart? I think so. I think they can make it work. My previous organization, they wouldn't have a fucking clue. They wouldn't have a clue. Wouldn't understand it, wouldn't know where to start. So, we'll see. It's just fascinating though. Fascinating, fascinating times. Again, we're transitioning, right? We're on the other side. It's a digital world. It's avatars and emojis from here on out, people. That's what it is.
and this Walmart play is going to be a catalyst for non-tech companies trying to get in the tech game. And the last thing, right, as we move into this tech world post-pandemic, again, we got 10 million people, I'm sorry, 15 million people that continue to file for unemployment on a weekly basis. Unemployment rate's still about 10%. Fiscal stimulus still hasn't happened. We're starting to hear rumblings about it again, right? Especially from the Republican side. Um, Meadows, Mnuchin, Trump. Hey, you know, they're saying, hey, we'll sign a $1.3 trillion stimulus package today for schools, for states, um, for unemployment benefits. And they know that they're under pressure. You don't hear Pelosi talking about it, right? She says their deal, it's not... It's not, it's, not a, it's not a realistic solution because the dollars aren't big enough, right? The government needs to be funded in a month. The Republicans, because they control the Senate, because they control the White House, they're the ones that are going to be blamed. And you're starting to see it. You're starting to feel it. You're starting to hear it. You know, they're saying, hey, we don't know what's in Pelosi's plan. We don't know what's in the Democrats' plan. We just know that they want 2 to $3 trillion, And we're just not interested in that. They won't even tell us what's in it. They barely even give us a top-line number. Well, in all that, you kind of hear a sense of desperation, right? You got the election coming up. The states can't afford the initial or the extra $100 on the uh, $400 a week um, additional unemployment benefit. States are broke. Anybody that looks at the underlying economic data can tell you that the recovery is slowing down. The jobs aren't coming back as quickly as they thought they were going to. There is no V-shaped recovery and you can sense the panic. So it's something that we'll be, uh, we will certainly be following and talking about over the next three weeks as we get closer and closer to the government shutdown. If there's not a deal right before the election. And because the Republicans are the party that's in power, they're the ones that are going to feel the heat. Right? I mean, it's really simple. If the Democrats were in their shoes and you flip the slipper, then the Democrats would be feeling the heat. Just reverse the position. They absolutely would be. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. The Republicans can't even get people within their own party to support the $1.3 trillion bill. Right? They've got a losing political hand, so they're trying to change the narrative. And we'll see if they're successful, right? I mean, it's possible. But, you know, if you're listening to Pelosi, listening to what she's saying, 
Um, I don't think she's acquiescing on this one. I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, that's it. That's all I got for today on the Joe Moran Show. Uh, it's been a interesting conversation. As always, we look at secular trends. We look at shifts. Um, the game's changing. And when it comes to technology and technology companies, you're going to have non-traditional tech companies try to get in the tech space. Phil Knight said, you're either a marketing company or a technology company, right? He viewed Nike as a marketing company. And in the future and today, you have another group of companies that aren't either, right? They're just not. Um, they should be, but they're not. But you're going to have more of these organizations become tech companies, not because they want to. It isn't because they're dying to be tech. Let me repeat that again. They're not dying to be tech. Their executives don't understand tech. But to be relevant, to stay relevant, you got to get in the tech game. So until tomorrow, let's keep our ear to the grindstone.